We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association ND. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome, welcome, everybody. It's that time again. It's the Rotowire DFS podcast sponsored by FanDuel. I'm your host, Joe Pizzapia. And with me every Thursday is the one, the only DVR, Derek Van Riper. What's up, man? How you doing? Hey, I'm doing great, Joe. How's it going for you today? I'm doing all right, man. It's, it's fun, actually. I'm doing so much football coverage right now everywhere that it's fun to take a little pause and go back into the world of baseball a couple times a week and uh, do these podcasts. And this is a fun day here because you got some, uh, some returning pitchers here in the, in the day slate uh, that you can separate out a little bit and take some uh, flyers on. You got some big names in the evening. Uh, and then you've got some questions in terms of cash games. So we really got to get to this because I think this is a, another tricky Thursday. For some reason, I don't know why we get stuck with the tricky day. But uh, that's because we're so talented. That's what I'm thinking, right? Yeah, stupid chopped up slate every Thursday, too. It just makes it even worse. Yeah, well, you know, but we're just the men to handle it. We're like the, uh, the expendables or something. of, uh, <laughs> or, like, or like that group in Game of Thrones at the end of a couple, uh, two, two episodes ago that just goes out, you know, searching for the Night King. That's us. We just kind of go out there. Damn, who cares about how many slates there are, night, day, whatever. We'll take care of it. Let's start with the day slate here. We got Robbie Ray returning uh, from that awful, awful scene. He was great in the rehab start. He went four and change and struck out 11 guys. He's going against Rafael Montero in the Mets. He's $9,200. To me, he's a cash game lock if you're going to try that out. Oh, absolutely. He's the best cash game option on the day slate by far. The Mets offense is one you really don't fear. Uh, and Robbie Ray always brings that strikeout potential to the table. I mean, if you look at his per-game average, close to 40 FanDuel points per game this season. Uh, only two other pitchers going out of the four-day games who are even above 30. And it's you know Fulmer and Jay Happ. Fulmer gets the Yankees. Happ gets the Rays. I, I think they're both going to be reasonably low-owned. I, I think if I'm going away from Robbie Ray in a GPP, it's probably to Jared Eikhoff 
because he's home against the Marlins. He's only 6,800, and even that feels pretty risky. It does. You know, I think you can make a case, and if you're going to do multiples, maybe with a Fulmer lineup and a Hap lineup, and, and maybe you do an Eikhoff lineup up there too. I, I certainly can't disagree with that. Normally I stay away from the guys coming off DL, uh, but the it was very encouraging that rehab start that Ray had. Plus on top of that, it's the Mets. Plus on top of that, you add in the fact that he's been so much better ERA wise at home that he's been in Arizona this year. It's just a no brainer to go with Robbie Ray and be safe. And and maybe, you know, when you look at this and this is something that um, actually had Brian Jester on my show, one of the great DFS players out there uh, had him on last night. We were talking about this and he was talking about this for baseball and for football that some nights you go out there and you should, Go and look at the slate and make up a lineup and then look at that lineup and then realize this is a good lineup and then decide where you want to be playing. If this is a game, a lineup that should be played in cash games or a game, a lineup that should be in GPP. They said don't always go necessarily for the contest. Sometimes you should go for the board and look at the board and find the value and then take that lineup and insert it in the contest where it should play best. And I think that was a very, uh, very different way of looking at it. Let's go to the offense here and take a look. And we have Vance Worley. We have Rafael Montero. Uh, to me, I'd rather be safe here and go with the Diamondbacks, go with guys like Pollock, like Goldschmidt, and kind of, you know, at least mini stack at the very least. You know there's not going to be a whole lot of differential. You know there's going to be some chalk here with these Diamondbacks. But I find it hard to believe offensively that they're not going to put up runs. Oh, yeah. I mean, even though it's on the road, it's still a great landing spot. Rafael Montero looks every bit a reliever as opposed to a guy that's going to go deep into a start and pitch well. Uh, so I want some exposure to Montero. I want some exposure to Vance Worley. Is it a Vance Worley revenge game? Like technically oh. in some weird way? I, I don't even care. Vance Worley's the kind of guy that probably really likes honeydew, and that just I – don't, I, don't, I don't trust people that like honeydew. <laughs> Listen, I'll say this in defense of honeydew. If you get like a really good honeydew, it's really good. But that's like one out of every ten. Am I right? Like, oh, yeah. It, it's, it's generally crap because it's the filler. Yeah, totally. You know, Vance Worley's Revenge, by the way, sounds like a really bad Atari game. I just, I feel like that was like a title of some weird Atari game that never got released or got buried in that landfill somewhere. But uh, I don't know if I'm going to buy the narrative of Vance Worley, but I'll say this. It's definitely, uh, I'm definitely up there with the Phillies too. And and you can make a case for some of the guys, you know, who've come up there too, like Hoskins. Uh, you can make a case for a couple of other guys on that team. It's a, it's a ballpark that gives up home runs. Uh, if you are looking anywhere else for offense, where does your eye go? You think there's a sneaky play today in terms of offense? You know, maybe you mix in like a Nevin Longoria against a Jay Happ, some stuff like that. I, I like Alex Cobb a fair amount too. I didn't really mention him with the pitching before, so I'm probably not using any of the Jays' bats. I might be more inclined to throw Cobb in there uh, as a GPP option who's a little safer than Icop. I just feel like Cobb's going to be really heavily owned because the Jays are a below-average offense, and I think everybody's on to that now that we're in the later part of August. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be kind of weird because the Tigers, you know, they should have a few guys you can mix in against Jaime Garcia. Well, that's where I was going to ask you. I was just going to go there and say, what about these right-handed bats like Upton and Cabrera against Garcia? Yeah, Upton should be kind of a, a building block. And he's 3,900. Uh, that certainly makes sense. You know, Kinsler, 3,600. The production has been inconsistent, although more recently it seems like he's maybe waking up just a little bit. And uh, I agree with his position on Angel Hernandez, so there's that too. Uh, but anyway, you look at the Tigers, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a viable combination of guys you can mix and match uh, to kind of go with the targets you're going to use in that Arizona lineup and in that Philadelphia lineup. All right, very good. All right, let's move over to the night slate there. We've uh, banged that one out. And Chris Sale, top of the pitcher board. 
over uh, for Boston, 11,000 for him. I mean, sales just been, he's been money. And I can't justify anybody else here. I can't, uh, I mean, I'll tell you, Strasburg coming out against Houston, no, not for that cash. I will say this, though. The, Carlos Martinez against the Padres does give me pause because there's so many strikeouts in that lineup, and, and we know that. And for the most part, Martinez has been pretty good this year. I mean, he really has. He's got 10 wins on the year. He's got a 3.5 ERA. I think he's been pretty much what we anticipated. I think sometimes the strikeouts have been a little up and down, been a little bit more up lately, and he's also got three straight quality starts. 9800 compared to the 11000 Chris Sale. Is that enough of a price break for you to get interested in Martinez and cash games, or is that getting cute? You know, I think it is. I think with, with Sale, it's going to come down to how my, the, my bats look when it's all said and done. If I've got enough wiggle room where I like one or two of the really cheap options below 2500 I could probably find the extra 1200 bucks to squeeze in Sale. But I think Martinez is my default cash play. I think he's playable in tournaments as well. Uh, but the other guy that I really like uh, for tournaments only is Jose Barrios. I know he's been a bit of a mixed bag more recently, uh, but last time out, 52 points at home against Arizona. That White Sox lineup all year was always a lot better against lefties than righties. It's been blown up by trades. 9,100 for Barrios seems like a pretty interesting risk to take in tournaments. Yeah, well, it's a tricky one for Torres because you don't have any of those pitchers that you really like under 9,000. I, I agree with you 100% about Barrios. There's certainly opportunity there. I, I think you can also make a case equally for Jake Arrieta, too, against Cincinnati at 97. It's not a huge price break. Same with Martinez. I think Martinez, Arrieta, Barrios, those are your three guys, GPP-wise, because once you go below that, you know, you can't ride with Martin Perez. You know, Trevor Bauer is going to give you, uh, you know, an aneurysm if you try to put him out there. You, have, you don't want to go. I mean, talk about the contrarian play of all time, trying to throw him out there against Sale. If you want to go nuts, fine. Every now and then Bauer drops a good game in there. But it's not a very long slate. It's not a lot of games. And there's not a lot of options. So this is a night where you almost have to say, look, you have to – I realize that your budget's going to be spent on pitchers, and now it's turn to turn to the offense. We've got to find some value in offense for not just cash games, but also for tournament play. So let's start with that, too. Let's try to find some cost-effective catchers here as we continue to go down this line. Where does your eye go to when you look at these names of catcher? Let's go as far as we can and try to build some, some floor in in some way in terms of salary. Yeah, catcher is kind of gross. Uh, as you look at the Thursday night slate, I mean, it, it's it is right. I mean, you got oh, it's terrible. Yadier Molina's thirty seven hundred dollars against Luis Perdomo. I don't want to pay. I don't want to pay a premium for Molina. I mean, Perdomo's okay at best, but at the same time, thirty seven hundred for a guy that doesn't offer that much pop. That doesn't make sense. Assuming Alex Avila is starting at three thousand in Great American Ballpark, park that boosts up home runs. I think Avila at 3000 is kind of the default of the pricier options. I like him a little more than Sandy Leone. I uh, like him a little more than Matt Wieters even at 2600 So I, I think Avila is going to be my default catcher for Thursday. Now, I think Martin Maldonado is another guy I want to throw out there at 22. I want to go all the way down here because, you know, he's had a couple good games here. Uh, he does have a little bit of power. He's going against Martin Perez, who's a gas can. So why not? As long as he's in the lineup, to me, I think that's a good lefty-righty matchup where you – you take your chances with Maldonado and hope for the best because I, I want to spread that that price around a little bit. I want to spread this budget around, and I don't want to waste it on catcher because, like you're saying, you're paying a premium for catchers that aren't necessarily premium catchers. I mean, Yadier Molina at 37, that's not – he ain't Gary Sanchez here. As much as I like Yadier, uh, he's a Hall of Famer and all, but yikes. Uh, let's go to first base where we might have to spend a little bit more. we got Rizzo top of the board, 46. 
Joey Votto at 4K, and then you got Ryan Zimmerman and Abreu. Uh, you know, Abreu has been much better of late. I want to talk about him for a second. I know it's against Berrios, so that might be a little trickier. But do you have any love for him against the uh, the young pitcher on Minnesota? Yeah, it's a tempting sort of price on Abreu, but I think I'll just go down 100 bucks. throw Hanley out there against uh, Trevor Bauer. I mean, I think that's at 3300 That's pretty fair value. I think that could make a lot of sense. At the same price, you get Albert Pujols going up against Martin Perez. So I think I'm looking at one of those two old guys. At 3300 I think you can get pretty good value in that mid-tier. I love Pujols in this one. And Pujols is another guy. He's got two home runs in his last six games here. And uh, a, a guy, too, where if you take him, you know, maybe get some shares and exposure over to the Angels. Maven's been awfully cheap lately. You know, the algorithm has yet to really catch up with him returning. That's another guy you might be able to find some cost savings and afford some of these more expensive 9000 and up uh, GBP arms. Let's go over to the other side of the diamond, a third base, and tackle some of these guys here. Top of the board here, Adrian Beltre on the other side of that Angels game. Uh, he's at 4,200. Let's break him down. He's going against uh, J.C. Ramirez. It's a righty-righty matchup, but this is a professional hitter. And, and Beltre, look, you know, for all the early season struggles and in terms of injury, second half has been much more appealing for Adrian Beltre owners and those using him in DFS as well. What are your thoughts on him at the top of the board tonight at 42? Is that too much for you, or is there too many other options? It's probably too much for me, but I think if you want to look at it as sort of a contrarian play, I think the price is going to steer a lot of other people away, even though the matchup isn't a bad one. Uh, you know, it's a righty-righty for a guy that doesn't really have bad splits against righties, of course. Beltre hits everybody pretty much all the time. Uh, I think where you're going to see a ton of ownership, and, and rightfully so, is Raphael Devers also picking on Trevor Bauer. We know that Cleveland is a ballpark, boosts left-handed home runs. Fenway suppresses left-handed home runs. This is a a dream road matchup for Devers, one of the better places he can go on the road to a guy in power who, when he misses his spots, he's certainly prone to giving up the long ball. Well, another guy who's prone to actually uh, taking the ball out of the yard on the other end is Jed Jerko at 32. Now, this is a matchup against Perdomo. I I think the St. Louis team we're talking about, some exposure to them as well tonight and getting some of those bats in the lineup. I love this price at 32. He's coming off back-to-back games with home runs, seeing the ball real well. That's a positive. We know, yeah, look, I think Jerko is more of a GPP than a cash game play because he is certainly one of these guys where it's 25 points or zero. But on a night like tonight, I think that $3,200 price is terrific. And it's funny because of the way we mentioned this pitching slate at the top, it is a little bit trickier because some of the premium batch do have premium pitching matchups, and you've got either those guys you don't want to start because there's only the top pitchers, and then there's the bottom feeder pitchers. So there's very little in between in terms of wiggle room offensively, and a lot of these guys that we normally would like are kind of unavailable to us, let's say. It's certainly where we want, but Deaver is certainly a guy that you got to put out there. Anybody else before we turn the page on third base that you can make a case for? Not I, mean, I like Jerko as a GPP play like you do, but it, it's because of the Bryant hand injury. We don't know if he's going to go. Right, Sano's in the DL. Suarez gets Arietta. Rendon gets Keuchel, and Bregman gets Strasburg. So that immediately drops you down. Like you got to think, okay, low three thousands if you don't go Beltre. I'm not really on Jorge Polanco matchup against Derek Collins. Not that bad, but for a hundred bucks less, I can have Devers or Jerko. Like the, it, it's probably Devers and Cash, Jerko and GPPs. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you 100%. And it's easy, and I like that because that's a spot where, you know, same cost, and you could just flip them out and, you know, submit two lineups, and, and there you go. You're done. All right, let's go over to second base. Brian Dozier topping this board against uh, Holland at 42. Then you got Jose Altuve 
at a bit of a Jose Altuve discount. Let's be honest, kids. 3800 is not normally what we see. Usually there's a four in Mr. Altuve's name. Uh, they go hand in hand, and this is Steven Strasburg. And I got to tell you, I'm a little intrigued here on this one because Steven Strasburg, I don't know, he doesn't strike fear in my heart. Am I wrong here? Am I not giving him enough credit? You, you might be underselling him a little bit, but at the same time, when you get a discount on a top five bat like El Tuve, there's some GPP uh, contrarian appeal for, for that. I mean, if, if he goes off, if Strasburg has to leave this start early and he gets several at-bats against the bullpen, there's lots of different ways it could play out where El Tuve uh, exceeds value from that price point. I think one of the best players on the board, regardless of position, though, is Brian Dozier. He's kind of having another big second half, yep. trending everything to the season-long numbers back in the direction of what we saw a year ago. He's probably going to fall short of the 42 homers he hit last year, but he's been on a tear. 4,200 is very fair. Derek Holland's not a very good lefty, and it's in a good hitter-friendly environment to sell. Yeah, unfortunately, too, when you go over to second base, similar problem. It's just not a lot of good spots. Murphy with the lefty matchup against Keiko, that's kind of tricky. You know, Colton Wong is a tough sell for me. And I don't know if it's I can't just shake the old Colton Wong out of my head. I know he's been productive of late. He's at 3,300. Is he a cash game guy that's, that's in play for you tonight at 33? Because I feel like we almost have to get forced into that, even though I'm on a tough time mentally getting there. I guess if he's hitting first or second, yes. Right. If he's hitting anywhere else in the lineup, no. It's just the, the light power that he brings to the table. He's just so much more of a line drive hitter than a guy that's going to go deep. And uh, even the stolen bases really haven't been there that much this year. He's, he's a nice player, but not really a guy that I like from a DFS standpoint, unless I'm using him because he's top of the order. What about Nunez at 33? You were talking about trying to load up on those Red Sox. How does he fare for you? Yeah, Nunez is pretty interesting. I think that's uh, – I like that he's at second base a lot, you know, and having to worry about the two-third baseman thing or anything like that with Nunez playing second with Pedroia down. I think he's in play. Uh, I like him a lot more than Wong, especially by comparison. Uh, the same thing you were talking about with El Tuve, though, kind of becomes tempting with Daniel Murphy. I mean, I know it's against Dallas Keuchel. It's lefty-lefty. Murphy splits against lefties are really not bad. I think No, they're not terrible, them. no. You could actually throw him out there in that spot. Uh, the problem with Keuchel, I don't think he gives up that many home runs typically, so you know, you're, you're really kind of going on the limb. But every time I see that reduced price on Daniel Murphy, it's like when I see donuts that are half price. I'm like, mm. how do I not go after that? Like, that just makes so much sense. Uh, but on a day like this one, I think I'm just going to concentrate on, on spending up on Dozier and trying to find my salary relief of their positions. All right, sidebar, what's your donut place? Are you a Dunkin' Donuts guy? Are you a Krispy Kreme guy? Where do you go? If um choosing between those two, Krispy Kreme. But we have a place down the street from the office in Madison. It's called the Greenbush Bakery. Um, and they're a phenomenal donuts that they make there. It's a, it's a kosher bakery. Um, oh. the, the, best, the best donuts I've had anywhere. A lot of like old-fashioned kind of glazed donuts as opposed to a heavily frosted stuff. And they are outstanding. The Tim Hortons donuts are underrated too. I don't know if you got any Tim Hortons around those parts, but they're yeah. not bad. Yeah, Hortons. I like Tim Hortons a little more than Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah, I agree. I, I kind of rank it Krispy Kreme, Tim Hortons, and Dunkin'. And Dunkin's like more prevalent, and it's always easier to get to. And I'm not hating on them. I'll still, I'll still eat a Dunkin' Donut. I'm, I'm all about that. Still like the Boston cream there. Still solid. But yeah, I just they don't stay very long. Like if you get a, a dozen donuts from Dunkin' Donuts, I feel like the next day it's kind of like, all right, well, you can't eat any of these. They're all rocks. Like the other places, they stick around. I don't know. We also got a duck donuts by us too which i think is like a smaller place but this duck donuts everything is a base of 
it's like a regular vanilla cake donut and then it's all just different toppings. So you have to like choose the toppings of the donuts, but it's all the same base, which is an interesting different thing. It's like the anti Krispy Kreme where everything's got stuff inside of it. So I don't know what your, your feelings or that is, but you know, for what it's worth, they ain't bad. <laughs> I'm, lo- I'm looking at the website right now and I have every intention of finding one next time I'm in New York. Well, let me tell you, there's one about 20 minutes, actually 15 minutes from my house. And if you're listening, anyone over there, by all means, since you're so close to my house, please send, send us over a dozen right to the house. Be, be happy to have it. I'll tip well. All right, let's go over to shortstop. We got Elvis Andrews top of the board 36. And look, even for the top of the board, it's not cost prohibitive. We know how difficult shortstop is. You got Lindor, uh, down there against Sale, which is tough. Again, uh, you got Cozart, tough against Arietta, And that brings us to Xander Bogarts, who is, don't look now, kids, but Xander Bogarts is starting to make consistent contact. The thing I always like to point out on the podcast, he's walking a lot. He's got uh, four walks in his last four games. That's positive, seeing the ball well, taking good at-bats. He's starting to hit for a little bit more power. He's got a home run, a couple doubles. This is a good sign for Xander Bogarts at 32 I would like to invite you, Derek Van Riper, to partake in the Xander Bogarts and add him to your little Boston Red Sox crew. What do you think? I think it's worth considering. I like it even more as part of a stack as opposed to a one-off. I think the one-off shortstop play that I might land on, I already mentioned having Pujols, but yep. Angleton Simmons yeah. having a nice year. Like He's kind of doing like some D.D. Gregorius sorts of things, but <laughs> in, a, in a place where it's more difficult to hit, of course. Anaheim's a much more difficult place to hit. 10.1 FanDuel points per game for Anderson Simmons this year, right in the low 3,000 range, 3,100. I like that setup for him quite a bit. Yeah, I agree. Simmons and I, uh, Simmons and I, Zola and I talked about Simmons. You know, it'd be funnier if Anderson Simmons and I talked about Zola. I think that might be a harder one to figure out. But Todd and I were talking about Simmons too. It, I think you nailed it, DVR. I think you, you, you hit the nail right on the head. It's a Gregorious type sneaky season. And I'm fascinated to see how it's going to carry over into next year and season-long drafts and how that's going to play. Uh, but, you know, shortstop, tough right now. Even tougher on a short slate. Even tougher on a short slate with some really top high-end pitching and not a lot of mid-tier arms. So, uh, to me, I'm with you 100%. Love Bogarts, love Simmons. I think that's where we want to go. Uh, let's uh, take a look over here because over 2.5 million players, by the way, have won cash prizes playing on FanDuel. To take advantage of our special offer for now, for new users, sign up today at FanDuel.com slash Rotowire, and you'll get a free six-month Rotowire subscription plus a free entry into the NFL Sunday Million, which offers more than $1 million in cash prizes with your first deposit on FanDuel. Just visit FanDuel.com slash Rotowire. Void where prohibited. All right, let's get to the outfield right now. Talked about all these angels. What about the $5,000 Mike Trout? I say tough sell on a night where you're going to have to pay up a pitching. I'm going to say no. I don't think it's going to fit in the lineup. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of building a lineup as we, we talk through it with some of the players that I've, I've talked about, and I don't see a way to make that fit under the cap unless you go dirt cheap with pitching or unless you're willing to you know, go with one of the cheap second basemen in particular. Like my, my attachment to Brian Dozier is keeping me away from Mike Trout. And I think it should. I think it should because I think right now you're talking about trying to spread that wealth a little bit and you can actually make up some ground in the outfield and help that out. So, you know, it's just not a, it's not a good night for trout there. I mean, you could, you could try to force that in there, but it ain't going to fit. It's a round peg in a square hole. So just forget it. Let's move down this board a little bit because I love this. How often do you see this DVR? 
even on a short slate where the top outfielder is a thousand dollars more than the next guy, <laughs> I mean, the mm-hmm. drop off is. I mean, this is a weird thing, and this is also the time of year we should point out where pricing gets a little wacky and a little loose because you got a lot of the NFL traffic starting to come on the website, playing preseason games with week one a couple weeks away. So keep in mind, this is something if you're playing Major League Baseball, you're playing all year, you're going to see some weird things in the pricing. Let's talk about Benatendi and Betts, another two guys, practically the same price in that Boston stack. We had like one more than the other. I think I would save the little bit of money and, and go bets if I had to choose one, but I like them both. It's just a matter of, of cost, and I don't think I can afford them. I think I got to go cheap in the outfield. The first First player that fits my lineup who I really like is Byron Buxton. I mean, he's just been oh. making some adjustments to his swing throughout this season. I saw a great tweet. I want to say it was Parker Hagman who had the breakdown. And it was like month by month, all the little adjustments Byron Buxton has had to make to his swing, changing his hands, changing his leg kick. And it's paying off. Like he's settling in as not only like a heart of the order run producer, uh, but he's got the K rate down. And, yeah. you know, you've got that stolen base ability, but we know Byron Buxton's one of those guys. He's strong. If he's going to make more contact, he can be a 15 to 20 home run hitter over a full season. He has that type of talent, and he's kind of tapping into it right now. So at 3,200, based on where he's at in that lineup, it was such a good matchup in a hitter-friendly environment against a lefty and Derek Holland that simply isn't good. I, had, I think it's going to be chalky but I want to play Byron Buxton on Thursday. I don't care. So, you know, just because there's chalk on it doesn't mean it's wrong. And, and I, I, I agree with you 100% about Buxton. Buxton's a guy to me that's always had, you know, athleticism has always been off the charts, and that's why everybody loved him and the scouts loved him because of the tools. And my knock on him was like he missed so much developmental time with all the injuries he had in the minor leagues that he was getting by on the lower levels on his pure athleticism, but he was failing as – the pitching got better and that was something that it was just obvious and I'm glad he's making adjustments and if you listen to this podcast I've said it here right right when he was starting to make adjustments and he was rock bottom I was telling people get on board it was that same thing with the walk rate that I just talked about uh with the other guy you know just a couple minutes ago when you start to see Xander Bogarts walking more that's good when you start to see Byron Bucks and having better at bats and walking more that's good. You know what he reminds me of? This is a throwback you know maybe to, you know to my childhood I'll throw this out there but he reminds me of like an Eric Davis type profile you know a guy who's got speed a guy who's got pop just phenomenal athlete maybe better than a baseball player but Eric Davis and these old school red teams he was a he was a pretty darn good player he's an all-star for a while yeah I think with, with Buxton I think the the polarizing thing about him is that high strikeout rate is he really going to make enough adjustments to get down the 25 percent range in the long run it seems like he's figuring it out and that's really exciting I agree with you 100 percent though on the injuries I mean he missed as soon as he was pro to double A, he was in a collision in the outfield his first game, missed the rest of that season, had a wrist injury at high A the year before that. And the Twins, despite those injuries, moved him very quickly through the minor leagues. So they, they set him up for a very difficult adjustment period in the big leagues. Um, the, the development curve that I think Buxton is on to some extent is a little bit like Carlos Gomez, too, where you have this really toolsy yeah. guy that is a great defender, and there's a ton of swing and miss in his game, but you, you can see it when you watch him. You're like, all right, like every, every once in a while he pulls you back in, and now he's just finally putting a stretch of about seven to eight weeks together where he's looked really good. All right, let's try to find a couple cost-efficient outfielders here. You got Shebler at 2,600. You got Michael Taylor at 2,600. Cameron Maben at 2,600. Now, these are three guys here. Shebler's got the toughest matchup with Arietta. Then you got Taylor against Keiko. That's not easy either. And then Maben... 
lucky enough with Perez, I think that's enough for me to go with Maben, even though I think that, you know, Taylor and Shebler, I think overall would be better DFS investments, but I think I'm going to tie goes to the best pitching matchup. And I think that's Maben. What are your thoughts? You'd love Maben at 2,600. I think you nailed it earlier when you said that he's just not priced up where he should be. Uh, I'm kind of intrigued by Steven Piscotty this time around. He really seemed to get right at AAA. He's a player that I liked a lot coming into the season. He, of course, has made me look like an idiot in my season-long leagues. <laughs> but at 2,800 in that spot in that order, you're going up against Perdomo and the Padres, getting a little exposure to the cards. I think that's a good idea. So I like the idea of pairing Piscotty with Jerko to get two of those St. Louis bats together, especially with that price on Piscotty being under 3000 All right, one more guy I want to touch on here, going back to that St. Louis uh, stack potential, Tommy Pham at 3400 A little bit more up and down. He had that long stretch where he was just outstanding, and he still had some good games in here, but uh, you're seeing, again, a little bit more of that GPP in terms of outputs where you're seeing three and three and zero and 30, and then three and six and nine and 25. And I think that's going to relegate Pham, I think, only to GPP play right now. Do you agree with that, or can you make a case for him in cash games because of that lineup, uh, excuse me, that that situation where he's against Perdomo today? Yeah, I'm not doing that at that price. I, I don't want to I don't want to spend up for Tommy Pham at 3400 Once he gets down, you know, high twos, low threes again, if he drops 400 bucks from his price, then I'll start to think about it again. But I think I'm out on Tommy Pham at this point. Uh, the other guy that I've been tracking, of course, we talked about him, I think, a week ago. Nicky Delmonico this time. Hey, Nicky D, how you doing? I love it. The funny thing is, on the season-long baseball pod, I, I think Tim Heaney made the exact same joke you did, Un, unbeknownst to him. He had no idea. He's like, oh, yeah, Nicky Delmonico sounds like a scrappy kid that uh, I would have known, you know, growing up in the Bronx. Oh, well, like, it's you know, yeah, except, uh, you know, Tim grew up in the burb somewhere. I was in Brooklyn. I was living the Nicky Delmonico <laughs> lifestyle. He was just writing about it. <laughs> Tim's out on, on Long Island, I think. Well, yeah, even, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but you're absolutely right. I, you know, you nailed Piscotti, you nailed Delmonico, too. I think this is a great uh, challenge today because it, it is a real challenging slate here, the way the pitching's laid out, the way the games are laid out, the way you don't have ballparks like Cincinnati, like Colorado in play, some of the go-to places for offense not in play in this main slate. I think this is outstanding. I think this is a night where people should get involved and play because, you know, it's you've taken a lot of those weird factors out of it that sometimes, you know, are a bummer where, you know, you look at the Colorado game and you're like, well, I need exposure there. Well, no, you don't because it's not there tonight. So that's out of play. Cincinnati's not in play. Some of those big-time ballparks, not the pitchers. It's pretty much pay up, and everybody else is kind of just pushed to the side. So I think it's going to be a fun out there, and I think everybody should get in there and get going. All right, you can follow him on Twitter at Derek Van Riper. You can follow me at Joe Pizapia17. For everybody here at Rotowire, have a great night at Daily Fantasy.